Welcome to On The Beat Live. I am Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Is taking one for the team. He is in Reynolds Coliseum watching the Carolina women who are at the moment not doing great. But we do have the man, Adam Smith, and the young Padwan, his young Padwan, Evan Rogers. We're going to do it. We're going to do it quick um, because we have some roasting to do at the end of the show. What's going on, fellas? Hey, man. How crowded was the Dean Dome today? People show up when it's Duke Carolina week, right? You know what? I was uh, selfishly, I was uh, like whispering to Evan and Jeremiah. I was and and uh, video intern uh, Jalen, our, our our guy Jalen, uh, who hustled over from class to make it. He did a great job. Was you know what we benefited from is that the Carolina Panthers introduced their new head coach and their new general manager today because that sort of now just strictly selfishly cut out like half of the riffraff that would have been there, you know, like from the TV cameras. So yeah, it was a bigger crowd, but it would have been a much, I think the crowd would have been even larger had half of the people not been down in Charlotte today. Yeah. I so saw a couple of that helped local, us out. Yeah. I saw a couple of local stations sent their main guys to Charlotte to cover that. We'll see how that one goes. I just, <laughs> I, I have no faith in the Carolina Panthers. Um, I'd like to because it'd be nice to have a team to pull for in your state. But It's wild to see Dan Morgan running a team. <laughs> you know, that's... It, it just strictly makes me feel very old. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, uh, you know, last time I saw him, he was getting concussed for Miami, you know, <laughs> for the Hurricanes. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how that works. Evan, what was it like being in the Smith Center with all the hype? Y'all got three players and Hubert. Hubert, very happy today, it seemed like. Very very jovial at times. It's amazing, <laughs> what, it's amazing what winning basketball will do in spite of what happened in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, normal week, it's like six or seven reporters there, Adam, right? About, I mean, six, seven, eight on a, a busy week. Today, there was probably 20 plus and five or six cameras in the back for the, the various TV stations. Um, you got some of the national people coming. Jeff yeah. was there from ESPN today. Like, yeah, you got, there some, uh, yeah they, they're the big guns are out. Um, and I guess uh, the media spot up top will be full for one of the yeah. few times up there. I, I've noticed on TV, it doesn't look very full often, but it'll be packed out, I guess, up there on Saturday afternoon. When I left I'll today, be- Steve Kirshner was taping names down outside. He had he was taping spots down on the tables outside. So, um, yeah, and interestingly enough, I, I not to cut Evan off, but yeah, you got guys going through there with, you know, like the ESPN dudes are already hooking stuff up, you know, in the press room, like they're getting. I don't even know what they do with all those dang cables. You know, I can barely turn my computer on. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like people are already like, you know. Like stuff's already getting like strapped down, taped in, screwed in the whole the whole deal. 
It is, uh, it, and with game day and everything, it's a circus. Duke week is a circus. I mean, I covered it several times. I covered it at Cameron two or three times, and that was when I guess they probably redone the media room where they'd try to shoehorn a hundred media people into a room about the size of a coat closet. It's still the same there. size, man. It, they just put a fresh coat of paint on it. It looks it's like still maybe. The same. <laughs> old Cameron indoor let's get right into it quotes of the week we're going to try to keep it to the normal stuff Adam I'll let you go first and see if you do in fact steal Evans without knowing what Evans is Adam give me a good quote that you heard this week from. North and Carolina. obviously I would never want to hurt Evan as he's like you know a second <laughs> son to me um no I'm I'm let's see I've got I'm, I'm scrolling over here I had it um this is going to be, if I can find it, um, where am I looking? I've lost it. Yes, okay. This is going to be Harrison Ingram, who, as we know, is incredibly quotable. And this is after the Florida State game on this past Saturday down in Tallahassee. Uh, I mean, it seems like a lot has happened since then. You know what? They've, they've played in Atlanta. Now Duke is coming. Um but this was a couple of days ago down in down in Tallahassee. And I had asked Harrison Ingram very smoothly, by the way. I said, my question was, how selfish is Armando? Did not mean selfish at all. I meant unselfish. Um, <laughs> because this has been one of these games where Armando had only taken like three or four shots, I think it was. And he'd just been screening and rebounding and defending all game long. Leonard Hamilton obviously raving about just the selflessness of Ormondo's play after that. Evan wrote a thing about his defense uh, off of Hebert Live the other night. But um, so Harrison correctly corrected me for saying how selfish is Armando. Um, and he was talking and he was saying about what he did when he got into the portal uh, when he was at Stanford. And he said that, you know, when UNC was recruiting him out of the portal, him, his dad, and his brother sat down at one point and watched 15 UNC basketball games. And they tried to just focus on RJ and Armando because they knew the other guys weren't going to be around. And UNC had told Harrison, these are going to be sort of our central pieces, which I thought was kind of fascinating that, you know, he's doing this, uh, you know, and they're just trying to focus on two guys. And he said, you know, he's trying to watch how RJ played, watch how Armando played. And, envision how he would fit with them and again i just thought it was fascinating and he ended up saying uh here's the quote and when i was getting recruited it honestly was kind of hard to believe everything they were saying because if you just watch that team last year versus how we play this year it's way different so to hear so to hear armando saying he was telling me all the time all he wants to do is win all he wants to do is win i mean he's showing it now He's screaming, he's screening, he's doing all the dirty work. You see him running back and playing defense. He might not touch the ball for 20 possessions, but he's still sprinting back on defense, blocking shots, directing the defense, doing everything we need. So I, I just thought that was a, a great quote. Uh, and with Harrison Ingram, you can pick anything the guy says, basically, is a great quote. But the insight there, um, I just, I just think it was fabulous. I mean, imagine this guy – and his dad and his brother, you know, how do you do that? How do you say, like, don't look at Caleb Love, don't look at Leaky Black, don't look at Pete Nance? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, 
he was also that day he was sort of like <laughs> picking on himself because he said these are the easiest threes I've ever shot in my life. You know, I can walk into these things. I can line them up because no one's coming out. He said, he said, no one's closing out. They want me to shoot these threes, um, which we could get into later the way he shot at Georgia Tech. But um, anyway, I thought that was some uh, some neat stuff you know, after the game at, at FSU the other day. Indeed. In- Ingram's an amazing young man. I mean, if he never played another game of basketball, he'd be successful in whatever he chose. I mean, it's pretty fascinating to see how he's been. And I remember during the recruiting process, he was pretty much the same way. But Evan, he didn't steal it, did he? <laughs> no, he did not. You are up. Yeah, so I'm also going to take one from Harrison, but this is uh, from today. You're welcome, Evan. <laughs> Really quick on the Baycott point, though, that I think is interesting. Uh, against Florida State, uh, I put it in that little Heber Davis Live. Florida State was 8 of 20 on layups and dunks combined. So 40% right around the rim, and that's the tallest team in college basketball. So Florida Mont- State was or, Ca- or Carolina was? Florida State. They were 8 of 20 combined on layups and dunks that game. So, you know, Armando might not be – he might not have another 20 and 20 game. No. But uh, he, he's definitely impacting – like they said, the game in, in other ways. Um, but yeah, I decided also to, to roll with Harrison Ingram. And this was from today and the topic of he and his sister got brought up. Yeah. Um, this so is for, for some context for people who might not be familiar with it, uh, his sister's a freshman at Duke. She's on the volleyball team. Um, and they have a really strong relationship. I think Harrison said in some of the after game availability early in the year that he and his sister try to get dinner every week or they're very close, um, but the whole just conversation of, you know, has the trash talk begun this week? What's the rivalry kind of looked like? And uh, Harrison said, it began last night when she was just making fun of me for losing our first game in a while. I wasn't too happy, but she thought it was hilarious. She's going to be in here. She'll be wearing a Carolina shirt, though. She'll be cheering for us, so that will be nice. And then Adam later on went and asked, like, was her joking around with you kind of just in this family group chat or a one-on-one text? I thought this was hilarious. And Harrison said, she FaceTimed me and she was just smiling. And I was like, why are you smiling? And she said, you lost. And I was like, oh my goodness. So that is quite the warm welcome back home for Harrison. He said he, he got this call yesterday. So the day after they had lost. Um, so supportive, but- right? <laughs> Just just a, a, a crazy, hilarious story. Um, but yeah, that I, I was trying to think, and you guys might know better than I, when is the last time a, a UNC player has had a sibling that played at Duke at the same time? It doesn't have to be obviously in basketball. Just do any players come to mind that maybe had a sibling at Duke playing a sport at the same time they were playing basketball? Because I feel like this has got to be one of, if not the first times. Did John Hudson? Did John Henson have a sister over there? Henson. Amber, I think her name was. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure see. Amber Henson played basketball. Dude, Lauren Ingram is Harrison's sister. Yeah, Lauren Ingram. She's a freshman. I want to see hitter. photographic proof of her wearing a Carolina shirt. <laughs> well, he said um, he said he went and watched her play volleyball earlier during their season. Obviously, that's a fall sport. And he said he got booed when he walked in there because I think he said he was wearing a UNC hoodie, but then had a <laughs> Duke volleyball shirt on underneath, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. 
I'm a um, little unclear on that because I went back and listened to it this morning, Evan. Yeah. And like he said, yeah, we were around him when he said it. He said, I went up to the nosebleeds and changed. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering if he like, <laughs> like he was getting booed to where he's like, just give me a shirt and went up there and like, <laughs> you know, because he said, yeah, he said he wore a UNC hoodie over to Cameron, by the way. <laughs> like, I, uh, um, Tina in the chat said McCants. Rashonda McCants played for Carolina at least – briefly uh i don't remember um her playing for duke i could be wrong my memory is terrible i can tell you this i'm not wearing a duke shirt <laughs> even if my child played over there and i'm not wearing a state shirt i might wear red or i might wear black but uh yeah that's interesting ingram you know he's from texas goes to stanford ends up having a sister eight miles down the road yeah it's crazy how it works. And I believe he said they love to go to Sutton's. Didn't he say that, Evan? Did he say that? I I, I, I don't remember that. You might have walked away, but he it was kind of funny how he was trying to ex, yeah he was trying to explain Sutton's to some of the uh, DTH Daily Tar Heel reporters. They didn't know what Sutton like, was. Come on, wait a minute now. Come, Come on. on, if you're on school, you got to know Sutton's. That's the spot. I know they knew they did. It was kind of like Harrison. You don't have to explain what Sutton. Oh, okay. He's like, he was like you know, I, I don't know, really know how to explain. It. There's a little cafe in the back. Was how he called it. A cafe. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's so cultured. It's ridiculous. You know, it, there's a little cafe in the back. But like I said, I, I was listening to all that this morning, sort of trying to prepare. I was thinking about trying to do a Harrison thing that I might that I hope to do tomorrow. When Armando said the thing about them having a players only meeting today that sort of just changed my plan a little bit but um but yeah he said it was he said i think he said there's a chicken caesar wrap that he likes to get and it's fire i think this was all stuff i was listening to uh this morning but um the man goes yeah. to Sutton's and gets healthy food <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean i gain like three pounds five pounds every time i walk in Sutton. it's worth every bit you know I, i'll do respect i can't see myself getting a wrap there uh, <laughs> it's got to be something with grease a lot of it i love that place uh, that place has been legendary for a long one of the few places legendary places when i from when i was in school back in the 89 to 93 that are still around uh, you can't let that place go anywhere all right anecdotes and this is um I kind of want you to get into what you mentioned off the air, Adam, um, in this segment, but I want to let you guys tell a story because it's one thing that, that our listeners sort of enjoy, the, the behind the scenes of the beat. Uh, there are some great stories. You told one last week about um, Bob Ryan. So l let's talk about it this week. What kind of stories do we have? Evan, I'll let you go first, um, but not to – to roast your coworker there quite yet. <laughs> we don't have to do that if we don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to to cheat on this one cuz I wasn't at either of the away games. Um but this was a a funny story that I was talking about with Adam earlier today uh with the Georgia Tech game. So, usually how I do away games when I'm when I'm at home um I'm kind of weird so I just watch them by myself. I like the Oh, this the is a good story. I like the volume turned down to four or five. I like it super quiet. I'm silent while I watch games. And one thing that annoys all my roommates and like my friends and girlfriend is like, I'm a big rewind guy with YouTube TV. So like if I like the a, game. Oh yeah. During the game. Oh, and then yeah. I'll just, and then I'll just make up the time during the commercials. So I hardly watch any commercials during games. 
um, and stuff like that. I think it's, but it's you great, have to stay off Twitter or or, X or whatever. Or, or, or the like the worst thing in the world is when I have stat broadcast pulled up. And I oh, can yeah, be like, oh, I, uh, yep. someone's, someone's going to score here. And my roommates would be like, how'd you know that? You can I learned that in the, during the pandemic. I never knew about that, you know, until the oh. pandemic. <laughs> and you can't go to some of these arenas and you're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Think about the money you could make from unexpected roommates going, you know, uh, Cadeau's about to hit a three right here. I feel <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so for the Georgia Tech game, I decided to watch it with one of my roommates uh, because he has, I think his grandparents went to Georgia Tech and he grew up a huge Georgia Tech fan. Like Paul Johnson, Wingbone, Triple Option. I mean, he could talk about Georgia Tech forever. Um, And I was just like, I want to watch this game with him to observe just what it is like for someone who grew up a Georgia Tech fan watching, obviously, UNC, a school they go to now, play. And at the end of the game, he is just absolutely disheveled and said one of the funniest things I think he's ever said. And he was like, 18-year-old me could never imagine Georgia Tech bringing me so much pain off of two wins. Obviously referring to <laughs> the basketball game and the football game wins. Um, which I just think is a, a pretty funny dynamic. And then also I thought something interesting from that game is I guess that's the second time this sports season where UNC has had a field slash court rush involved. Um, so for everyone that, you know, the whole Atlanta House of Horrors, I guess, kind of lived up to its name. But I just thought that was funny because I'm usually a weird person who likes to watch the games by themselves and pretty much silence. Uh, so taking a step outside for the Georgia Tech game and, and seeing someone who grew up a Georgia Tech fan but now has been a student here at UNC for the last two and a half years was very interesting to look on from afar. couple things there. Carolina is 10 for their last 30 trips to Atlanta in football and basketball. What's so 10. weird about that is, like, Atlanta is a UNC hub. I mean, my, my roommate had guys texting him who were at the game, people he knew from Georgia Tech who was like, there are so many UNC people. I mean, I think I heard on the TV, if I'm not wrong, mistaken, a Tar Heels chant was like breaking out in the first half. Guys, guys, it was like they were chanting. At one point in the second half, the Carolina fans there were chanting defense, defense. And the Georgia Tech students started chanting offense. They were dueling chants during Georgia Tech possessions. Offense, defense, because the Carolina fans started the defense chant. Like – I know it's we got weird. this uh, this running thing that I've been doing about how Tar Heel chants have broken out everywhere we've gone on the road. Pitt, Clemson, NC State, it, they broke out. Uh, what was after that? FSU? Yeah, no, BC. BC was packed with UNC fans. And like, FSU, there were Tar Heel chants. There have been a very audible, very uh, discernible Tar Heels. Tar Heels! chant and played six road games in the month of january uh which might explain why i look like a hobo um you know like but but the the fan turnout and the fact that you know is resurgent the right word i don't know that this has sort of been a resurgent season carolina back up there in the top five of the polls carolina first place of the acc you know the 10 game winning streak like the people are coming out and I mean, damn, like, I'm sorry to start cussing. Like, it, it was, I mean, Georgia Tech, you never think of as being some sort of, like, 
you know, wild atmosphere lately. I never got to see it when Lethal Weapon 3 was running around the Thriller Dome. I would have loved to have seen it. Uh, I was a kid during those days. But there were a ton of Carolina fans there um, the other night. And they were louder. I mean, they were louder than everyone but the Georgia Tech students. The Georgia Tech students were doing all they could to keep up with the UNC fans. What's crazy is they still can't win there. Uh, I <laughs> mean, it's not a it's not a uh, home court advantage for Georgia Tech. It's not a home court field or home field advantage for Georgia Tech in football, but yet they still have – yeah, I don't get it at all. By the way, Deja Kelly um, looked like she just got dinged up, but she went off in the third quarter to cut the game to 49-48. Now at the start of the fourth quarter for Carolina would – not quite sure what happened there. Anyway, Adam, you're up. Well, let me do this. Let me talk Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Always got to do this. They're sponsors. They've been here for, for a long time, and they've been on Franklin Street. It's another one of those places like Sutton's, right? I bought my first pair of sunglasses in August of 1989 at Johnny T-Shirt. Some Tom Cruise Rays bands. You remember this? I remember this very vividly. In fact, I still have them somewhere unless my oh, children boy. stole them. Uh, you know, Johnny T-Shirt's a legendary place. Just like Sutton's, just like whatever else is left, but you got to support them because it takes support for them to remain there. And if you can't get the Johnny T-shirt this Saturday when you're in town for the Duke game, if you are, you go to JohnnyT-shirt.com, buy all the gear, all the swag. They're great for NIL stuff. They're great for all the warm, warm weather, hot weather, cold weather, cool weather, tailgate, home gate, stickers beer glasses, shot glass, whatever you need. Christmas ornaments, Johnny T-shirts, that spot. National Guys Pay the Bills, it's on the beat. Adam's story is coming next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, fellas. The women took the lead and have the ball. Adam, you're up with your stories. They must be playing well. TA, they, they have started playing. It's, it's, yes, they've started playing well. TA, you're talking about buying your first pair of sunglasses and I believe, did you call them Tom Cruise specials? Yep. Ray Ban, Tom Cruises. I probably haven't thought about this in 30 some years or however long it's been, 20 plus years. I had a, a friend of mine in school at UNC who wrote an entire paper uh, on the topic. I hope it's okay to say on air. The topic was homosexual undertones in the movie Top Gun, the volleyball scene uh, where uh, Maverick and Goose are playing against all the other guys. Um, it was That was something to behold. That guy, uh, that guy had a pair of, that guy had a pair on him that did this. Uh, 
that's anyway, a, that's a hell of a pull from that movie. It was unbelievable. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I was like, wow, this is a welcome to college moment for me. You're doing this. This is what we're doing. We didn't do this in Mebbin. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Present day, Adam. Stick with the present day. We don't want I'm, to go. I to- apologize. I hope I don't get in trouble for that one. That's hilarious. Um, well, I have, um, I don't know that I have anything great, but two things for some reason just stand out in my mind. And it's, again, it's sort of post-game stuff in terms of stories. Um, you know, talking to the UNC guys after the FSU game a couple days ago, uh, I could not help but notice because most everybody's just chowing down on wings. Uh, UNC's flight out of Tallahassee was delayed by storms uh, or something. And they're just guys just sitting around eating wings. So there's just, Everybody you can think of from Pax and Wojcik to, you know, Sean May destroying chicken wings just outside of the locker room. And one person I noticed, I don't, you know, one person I noticed had their laptop in their lap and they were just intently into the laptop. It was one Marcus Page. So me being the curious idiot that I am, I had to walk over there. I was like, Marcus, why are you not eating? Uh, and you know what he was doing? He was watching the Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech basketball game that was taking place at that time. I think it was like a 5 p.m. start, maybe. Is that right? It was some weird late afternoon start because I later learned he had the scout on the Georgia Tech game. Uh, if, if you watched, Hubert was sort of checking with him several times throughout the Georgia Tech game. Um and it was sort of his first scout that they had given him. He said he'd watched something like 16 Georgia Tech games. He probably watched way too much Georgia Tech. Um, but I thought that was kind of neat. Like, I mean, these guys were just destroying. You know, they order, you know, you always get a post-game meal. They ordered from some restaurant right around there. Um, and guys were just going in on it. And there you got Marcus, like, literally laptop in lap, like grinding over some Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech stuff. Um, I assume they still do the same way, right? Is the, the, the assistant coaches split up the scouts throughout the year. I assume still does it the same way. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, so you don't load one, you know, so you don't have Lebo, like just not sleeping for two days, you know, like they, they, they do split it up. Um, but then this, so that was sort of my quickie from uh, Tallahassee the other night in Atlanta, <laughs> I feel like this is too good when too good not to share. Uh, you know, everybody was not pleased uh, around. You know, we're outside the UNC locker room. People are pissed. Um, you know, so uh, I was videoing Armando, uh, which was kind of a bit of a fire drill because people were coming out and were trying to get him, and they really didn't have long. They didn't want to talk long because they weren't that happy. And um, I was videoing Armando when I got uh, run over by Pat Sullivan. Um, he just trucked me. And um, there was plenty of room to get around me, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know if, if Pat's not a big fan of, uh, you know, my stupid ways, which is fine. Uh, or, I, you know, he'd need to send a message to the nerdy uh, <laughs> the beat reporter. But, um, you know, I was not braced. I was not braced for contact. Um I think I could have, you know, given a shoulder back. I mean, you know, he's way bigger. I'm 6'3", supposedly, but he's way bigger than me. And, uh, yeah, I got I got plowed over by Pat Sullivan um, outside. I think he just was mad and uh, 
You know, I was asking Armando why Hubert got, you know, Hubert jumped him a little bit at the start of the second half at Georgia Tech, set him down for like five and a half minutes too. Uh, when Tech got, you know, something like five or six offensive rebounds early in the second half. Um, but yeah. So anyway, Marcus on the laptop, Pat Sullivan truck stick on uh, A Smith. Pat's, Pat, uh, those knees are shot. Maybe, maybe it was a, maybe it was an accident. Yeah, maybe he didn't see me down there. He's like, you know, what is he, six maybe, eight? Yeah, maybe he stumbled. Eight, many a dine anytime in Granville with Soul and all that crowd. Um, the original Fab Five, by the way, uh, recruiting class at North Carolina. Carolina women have fallen apart a little bit. They're down, I believe, six now after leading by one. I did but, explain that five five to Jeremiah on the air on the way to the airport the next day. Ta. Nice. I had to tell him about Clifford Rozier. You know, he had never never heard of Clifford Rozier. So, yeah, and, anyway. and back in the day, they all lived in Granville South, and a friend of mine was a manager there. Uh, shout out to Mike and uh, played many a Sega Genesis Lakers Bulls or Lakers Celtics back in the day. Evan, you don't know nothing about that. That's pixeled stuff, man. That's that's ancient video games over there. But yeah, Sullivan. Reese, Phelps, Montrose, and Cliff Rozier, the original Fab Five. Uh, Rozier, of course, transferred on to Louisville. Metro Conference Player of the Year a couple times in a row before life caught up with him. And, and they had one at each position, right? You had yep. a point guard shoot. You know, you had, what, Phelps at the one, Donald Williams at the two, Reese at the three. Yeah. It was – It was uh, Donald was a year after, but it was totally oh. straight Dean Smith, right? To, to recruit a team, not just recruit a bunch of different athletes and put them in there. He had Montrose, of course, was your five. Rogier was your four. Reese and Sullivan could swap at the three. And then, right, there you and, go. And, uh, and then Phelps was your one. And, and one thing, Derek Phelps was a heck of a lot bigger than people realize. He was 6'4"-ish, and uh, he'd lock you down. Anyway. Stretchy, too. Yeah. I mean, just to – they would have never won an athletic contest, that group but they also won the national championship, that group, over the the uh, second coming, I guess, of the Fab Five in Michigan. Can you imagine the Montrose recruiting? Seven-footer out of Indiana, flat top. I mean, I, I would just think – I would think there have got to be some amazing stories just from his recruitment. Yeah, absolutely, because that's the Indiana family. Yeah. And he comes to Chapel Hill and ends up being the legend and now the legacy. Um you know, with his passing, the hats back there, folks. You can still buy them. Anyway, let's talk Duke. Duke, North Carolina. I put this uh, title of this show, the big one, volume one. I'll throw it up there for people to see. I thought it was pretty, pretty nifty. Adam, how big is this game, other than it being Duke and Carolina? If you can separate that, if you know where I'm going or, or trying to get to, how big is this game for Carolina to get back on a winning track after losing to Georgia Tech? I think that, I think it ramps up even more outside of the rivalry because of that game on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly huge, you know. Like, uh, I was telling these guys, like, it, it always feels like it's so – it takes – to me at least, it feels like it takes so long for the first UNC-Duke game to get here. Um, you know, you go through November, December, January, obviously the first one gets here. And then I always feel like it's just a sprint, like from there on, like the second one, I always feel like the second one gets here so quick. And they're like, Oh my God, it's March is, you know, we're going to the tournament. You know, like, I, I just feel like 
from this point forward, it becomes sort of like a sprint to the finish line. Um, and I mean, I think for 10,000 reasons, it's, it's pretty dang big. I mean, you know, like, I mean, these are the teams that are, one of these teams is going to win the ACC regular season title. I think it's safe to say. Um, and, you know, Carolina had a chance to really put a stranglehold on it. If they went in Atlanta and then they, you know, beat Duke to get to 11 and 0 in the league. I mean, what, that would be a three game lead. I think uh, on the devils, they're seven and two, I think it is. Uh, they've, they, Carolina hasn't had their midweek by yet and Duke has. So they're like a half game behind, but yeah, for everything that happened Tuesday night, I think it just adds to the importance of everything that's going to happen on Saturday. Plus the games in Chapel Hill. Um, you know, I mean, it's, as we know, it's not an easy place to play over in Durham. So um, I think this could be really important for a, a ton of different reasons. The response that you get coming off your first ACC loss. UNC had not lost a game, Tommy, in 45 days. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, I mean, December – what were you doing on December 16th? I mean, it's a long time ago. That's the last time they lost a game. In Atlanta, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Last two losses have come down there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think – I think I'm super interested to see like how these matchup matchups look. I always am interested to see how these teams are going to match up. Duke's personnel changes a lot year to year. Obviously, UNC's personnel has changed a ton since the last time these teams played. Um, so, you know, I I think it's I think it's really big. I think if UNC wins the game, and you know they they're ten and one, sort of starting the second half of the ACC season, ten and one. I think everyone would take that, that, that pulls for the Tar Heels. Um, and I think it would be a huge response from, from the loss. And, you know, obviously to take round one, you know, the game could be crucial when you're sorting out the ACC seeds, sorting out with the NCAA tournament seeds. So, you know, I, I think going 0-2 this week would obviously not be the right recipe. Um, and if you're able to beat Duke in the showdown Saturday night, you know, really nice response from – the debacle. It was Carolina's worst game of the season Tuesday night. Uh, I don't think that's a stretch to say. Season worse from the field, season worse from the line. Um, so, yeah, big one. The big one. Evan, get in here on the, the matchups a little bit. I think it's interesting. One thing that Dewey talked about in the postgame, and folks are in this chat and didn't listen to Dewey in the postgame, he blew the trap game BS out of the water. He, he said nobody – Nobody, you know, when people say, oh, if you're going to lose one, it's better that you lose that one than the next one. Um, it was an interesting take by Dewey on that as far as from the player standpoint, the coach standpoint. But this basketball, Evan, is all about matchups. And Duke presents some matchups problems. Georgia Tech, one thing that concerned me with the Georgia Tech game is they kept running that pick and roll and slide down the big just follows the guard straight down the lane over and over and over. And if we've watched Duke before, we've watched Duke take advantage of what they've seen on tape more so than any teams. If you go back and watch when Brandon Ingram used to ISO on Carolina and, you know, the post-up guards, Jeremy Roach is not posting anybody up, but they've got Proctor and McCain that can do it. How do you see these matchups sort of shaking out, Evan? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's gonna be interesting. I was kind of going through it earlier today because I, if I'm not mistaken, Jeremy did not start the game against Virginia Tech. I think Caleb Foster started because Jeremy's coming back 
uh, I think from an ankle injury. But I would assume Jeremy is going to start on Saturday. So that means their three starting guards are going to be Roach, Proctor, and McCain. And when I sift it through my head, what makes the most, most sense in terms of defensively for UNC is I would guess RJ would guard Jeremy Roach. I think Cadeau would guard McCain. And Cormac might match up with Proctor just because Proctor's 6'5", and, and Cormac is 6'5", in his own right, and kind of lanky. Um, so I think that Proctor uh, Cormac matchup could be interesting because Cormac does hustle and show a lot of intensity on the defensive side, but I also think he lacks a little bit of the lateral quickness that you might want for a guy who's going to guard someone like uh, Tyrese. Um, and then I think on the flip side, it's going to be interesting how Kyle Filipowski and Baycott match up because yes. I think they act, I think they both present pretty big issues for each other. Cause is Filipowski, that the matchup though? Is that the not, matchup you want for Carolina? Uh, yeah. yeah, I would say so. I think because I think Filipowski at times has been exposed as a center on defense. I think people coming into the year didn't realize what a blanket it was having a shot blocker like lively behind him. Um, and I think Baycott has shown to a degree, uh, pretty good lateral quickness for a guy his size on the outside. And though Filipowski can't handle the ball and can make some moves, he's he's not a he's not like a crazy quick fluid Paolo Bancaro kind of guy at that size. I mean it's it's not an unguardable spot that I think Baycott will be in. But I think both of them do present issues for each other. That'll be interesting. Um Mark Mitchell and Harrison Ingram are kind of a, a similar player in some respects. Mark, Mark's a little bit bigger a little bit longer. Uh, I would argue Harrison's a little bit better offensively. Um, in terms of just the game outlook in general, though, kind of how Adam was saying, this is going to be a pretty interesting game for NCAA tournament looking ahead for UNC, just because at this current moment, in terms of one seeds in the tournament, my guess is the Big East, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 each have one. Right. I think Purdue's going to have one. I think UConn's going to have one. And I think either Houston or Kansas are going to have one. I think that leaves, and I don't think the Big 12 is going to have two, no matter what the the national kind of narrative on that conference is. I think it's either going to be Houston or Kansas, not both. And that leaves, I think, the conference champion of the ACC, SEC, and Pac-12 left for that last one. And I think at this current moment, with how the resumes stack out, I think UNC has that edge over Arizona from the Pac-12, and then Tennessee, Kentucky, whoever you take from the SEC is your best team. I guess we'll find out on Saturday when they play each other. Um, but I think this one for UNC is going to be a game that kind of gets looked back on when you look at tournament seating in March. I don't think the Georgia Tech game is necessarily going to be a game that people say that's why UNC didn't get a one seed. It's going to be if they lose on Saturday, that's going to be why they don't get a one seed. It's not really going to be the Georgia Tech game. And then, like you said, Tommy, I mean, they've got Clemson on a short turnaround on Tuesday, which is not going to be a gimme game. And then they go at Miami and at Syracuse. So, I mean, these next four games are, are big and they're all present their own challenges in, in different ways. And if you kind of go into this tough stretch, losing your first two, uh, it, it could be tough to turn things around because you don't really have a, a gimme game on the schedule. You don't have Louisville coming up. You don't have you know Notre Dame right around the corner. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be a game that has, outside of just the rivalry aspect, it's going to be a game that has a lot of implications uh, moving forward. Armando said it today too. He said, 
you know, whichever one of us gets in foul trouble between him and Filipowski. I mean, Armando knows, you know, like it's obviously the role that refs play. I mean, that I think that's going to be a huge – I know you have a point, Tommy. I think that's going to be sort of a subplot. Who can stay out of foul trouble? Because, you know, I think Armando can – can I don't want to say neutralize Filipowski, but I think that's a matchup that works for UNC if you can keep Armando out there. Because um, Evan made some good points about Filipowski. He, I mean, who wouldn't benefit from having Derek Lively blocking eight shots around the rim like freaking pterodactyl? Um, you know, Duke Duke's rebounding is suspect, like badly suspect. I think UNC, while they don't have – Dayron Sharp, Walker Kessler, Garrison Brooks, and Armando Baycott running, you know, the quadruple towers. I think UNC can hurt them on the offensive boards. I mean, Harrison Ingram is a, a maniac on the offensive board since the calendar turned to 2024. So, you know, I think that's an area UNC can thrive. Anyway, T.A., don't want to cut you off. Go for it. Well, I was listening to you and watching the women. They're down three with the ball with 30 seconds left or so. Uh, here's my point about the matchups, right? Remember, was it last year? Two years ago, Carolina started Baycott on Ben Caro, and that was a disaster. I mean, that got them blown out, I guess, in 2022, first game there in the Smith Center. I'm not so sure I don't put Baycott on Mitchell because Mitchell's not a post guy. And he'll shoot a three, but he's not a guy that's going to – force Baycott to guard heavily in the post like Filipowski will do. And Ingram can take it. And I don't know how Duke will flip the matchup, but I like Ingram on Filipowski to get Filipowski in foul trouble more than Baycott because Ingram's shown the ability to back guys down and and really put pressure on them to score. Now, the height difference there is it might be an issue. But one thing's for certain. And you mentioned it, Adam and Evan. You mentioned it too. And Baycott mentioned it. You got to stay out of foul trouble. You can and, and Jay Billis. Will, he shows his Duke colors when it comes to this game, and, and rightfully so. But the point he always makes: you can get two points back. You cannot get a foul back. That's something that Elliot Cadeau's got to learn. Yes. And I don't. Folks raising Kane about none of those were fouls on Elliot Cadeau. It does not matter. Elliot could have fouled out. Whether they were fouls or not, he fouled out. He's got to adjust. Proctor's going to be a problem if Cadeau's on Proctor. I mean, just like the Georgia Tech point guard was a big dude. Um, it's going to be those type games is that Carolina players have to play smart. You cannot. Baycott's biggest issue was what the first four years of his career, Adam? Getting fouls 30 feet from the basket can't do it you cannot do it in a game like this you can't you can't let it come down to the official making the call I think Ingram on Filipowski and Baycott on Mitchell I think is a better matchup for North Carolina to keep Baycott out of foul trouble but I don't get paid enough to make those decisions um, don't forget you got you know you're gonna have Jalen Washington and Jalen Withers coming in too I mean you know I, I, I mean Duke I don't mean to say make Duke sound like the slippery rock but like who does Duke bring in? Ryan Young. Well, they have what Sean Stewart. Sean Stewart is a big active body uh for Duke. But Ryan I mean, Young always makes a play against Carolina. He's there. He he would be there, their first guy off the bench down low, I think. I, I think that's right. If I if I've got their personnel right. I mean he, he might be their only. I don't 
I don't think Sean plays all that much. I could be wrong. But I think Young I is the main one, and Young has not looked good at times this year. There's been some games where he was exposed. Well, he's super massively. unathletic. I mean, he's he's a, he, al- he always gets a rebound and kicks out to an open three, and you're just like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, he's a banger. He's a banger, and he does what they ask. I mean, you could see Ryan Young and Harrison Ingram probably working on Wall Street one day and just killing guys at the <laughs> New York City Y. You know, they just destroy them. Running um, over, running over media guys just trying to do their job, right? <laughs> oh, by the way, shout out my guy Timothy Phelps. I think was taken up for me in the chat. I appreciate the the love. Uh, you know, I would have yelled bloody murder to try to get the refs' attention for the charge. We used to do that back in the day, like. You know, if you're trying to take a charge in a game, you know, I, you know, you give a little yell, ah, you know, try to sell it a little bit. But you can't get the snap. You can't do the head snap. No, there's nothing to snap. Nothing to snap. He got me from the side too. Like he was just. <laughs> it was like he was. It was like I was trying to screen, and he was like, "No, I'm blowing the screen up." He blew me up. And Teddy V would have turned his back on you too. I mean, right, right. He has now officially turned his back on RJ twice. He RJ would appealed to him like this. RJ had his hands out, and Teddy was like, "No, nah, I'm out of here. I'm gonna play the catch." Uh, last last uh, sponsorship read: Carolina women are down three. States got the ball at the line with 13 seconds left. Uh, CongruityHR.com front slash Tar Heels. Get your small and mid-sized business a free assessment if you're an inside Carolina person. They will take care of you. They'll get your business blowing up. They've gone from a North Carolina base to a national base or a national presence. They'll do the same for your small to mid-sized business. Uh, tech support, technology, customer service, Darren and Matt, wonderful people. If you know, I ask everybody to like and review us and all on this, on this podcast stuff and on YouTube, but go to Congruity and fill out that questionnaire at congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. See what they got to offer for you. Last thing, I'm going to let you each guys get some going away presents. You're going to give our readers presents. Evan, I'll let you start. Give us a key to a Carolina win. If we, if Carolina wins, what are we talking about in the postgame podcast um, following the ball game? UNC finding a consistent option on offense outside of R.J. Davis. And that's really, I think, for the, the rest of the season. Uh, I think at this point, you can almost book it that R.J. is going to score a round or over 20 points every game. Uh, in the back of my mind, I've been waiting for this game where R.J. has an off night, and maybe I just jinxed him here. But um, I mean, if you look at his numbers, I don't think he's really had a, a poor offensive game since Riverside when he had eight points. Um, he's just scoring 15, 20-plus night in and night out. But against Virginia Tech, he was the only guy in double figures on UNC. Uh, Cormac Harrison both had nine points. They combined six of 28 from the field. Um, You're going to have to find a guy who, on a night in and night out, can give you 14 to 15 points. And I don't know who that is in this game, per se. Uh, But if UNC wins, uh, one of those of it being Armando, uh, Harrison or Cormac will step up and, and give you a consistent, efficient 14, 15 points. Yeah, the box score will not read 28, 9, 9, 6, 5, 4. Adam How closes ugly were some of those Cormac shots the other night, too, by the way? I mean, Dude, he looks like, and, and Dewey said it in um, a cut of VOD about it, too, as well. He looks like he's trying to shoot as fast as humanly possible. I mean, and there's a lot of times where just 
take a half breath. You know, it's like it's a hot potato. I got to get it going up as quick as possible. Um, when it goes in, it's pretty. Yeah. But, but three for 14 from those two guys, and Carolina gets beat handily if they repeat that. Yeah, yeah think about it. They shot they shot three for 14, and they lost by one. I know. It's kind of yeah. crazy to to think. But, yeah, what? He, he airballed the one that was one. He had a wedgie, right, where he got stuck between the – I mean, I was like, how is this, how is this happening? Yeah. thing about Cormac that I think is interesting, and I, I actually want – I've been trying to go back and watch the beginning of games, but I think almost every game – within the first 90 seconds, he's shooting a three. It almost feels like he's kind of pressing at the beginning of games. And for him, his numbers inside the arc on on mid-range shots are actually pretty efficient on the year, both off the dribble and off the catch. And he's also a guy that's shooting over 90% from the line. So I I wish he would focus on hitting a a 15-footer, get to the line first, and then shoot your first three. Because I think once he gets into a rhythm, like you guys said, it looks pretty... um, but it just feels like at times he is really, you know, he's in the back of his head. He knows he's supposed to be the shooter. And it seems Absolutely. like he, he kind of does not finish it. Yeah, he doesn't finish at the rim very well either. No. I, I mean, Elliot Cadeau is probably the best finisher at the rim. RJ's up there as well. Jalen Washington obviously is. Um, but you got to go into the rim. Uh, you can't just throw that dipsy do stuff. And he had a couple opportunities to do that. But Adam, yeah, what what am I talking about, or what? Excuse me, what are Joey and Dewey talking about in the post game? Um, if Carolina wins this game, and you can't pick Evans, I can't even remember what Evans said. Oh, secondary score, um, <laughs> Joey and Dewey. What is that? Sounds like a little rascals or something. I mean, what is this? A <laughs> comic much. strip? I told you, I'm gonna be at the game, so uh, they can handle it. Is one of these guys got a, a, a slingshot in his back pocket? Like, what the hell? Joey and Dewey. Um, sorry. Uh, been a long day. Uh, been a long week. But um, here's what I give you. This is – I'm not going to answer you, but I, I, this is just my feeling on this. I feel like this is one of those uh, – I just feel like this is one of those games where, like, Jalen Withers or Seth Trimble – or just someone, someone like that. I'm not going to say Paxson Wojcik because God bless him. I'm not <laughs> believing in that guy right now. Um, but I feel like there's this could be a Jalen Withers game. This could be a Jalen Washington game. Heck, the other night in Atlanta, I was thinking it's going to be a Jalen. I was telling Jeremiah, I was like, this is is this going to be the Jalen Washington game? You know, like he was playing pretty well there for a while. I feel like you know Elliot Cadeau. Um, I'm super interested to see what goes on there. I don't know if, you know, I think he can get to the cup on these Duke guards. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's, I think he's more explosive and athletic than Jeremy Roach. Although Jeremy Roach is obviously a seasoned vet. I just assume Roach, like Evan was saying, is going to be chasing around RJ. That's what I just would assume. Um, I don't think Proctor can stay in front of him, but I don't think Proctor will guard him. I'm not sure. Is do you, is McCain a good defensive player? Do you think Evan? I don't. I don't know. He's strong. Um, He's a stocky guy. Uh, yeah, they so, have similar I mean, builds. I could see uh, McCain almost pulling a, a Villanova on Cadeau when Duke's on offense and try to back him down. But in terms yeah. of like lateral movement, no, I don't. I don't think Jerry McCain could stay in front of Cadeau. It's such hindsight to say, but like I feel like you know if if. Cadeau doesn't foul out in Atlanta. Carolina finds a way to win the game somehow just because of just the pace, you know. It's just different when he's in there. Two um, losses this year for UNC Cadeau has fouled out in. 
Right. He he fouled out the Villanova game. Villanova. He fouled out. Yeah. I think was it early in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. The very same way. By yeah. getting cheap ones. Um, how in the world do you get five fouls in the second half? In eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> how in the world? Um, yeah, that's that was. I hope you had a seat belt that night, Tommy. Were you? Were you? No, I mean, I, I kept saying you just got to get away. You know, don't put yourself in that position. And yeah. people were yelling at me like, "What's he supposed to do? Give up a layup?" Yes. Like yeah. I just said, you can get a point back. You can't get a foul back. You know. But I, I feel if like your guy is... scores twenty points and you score twenty five points. That's a net positive. You know. Even I just feel know. like this is one of those games where. Uh, you know, I hate to say cancel out, but you could see, you know, maybe Flip and Armando have a stalemate in a way. You know, I think Flip's going to get some of his points, um, you know, or maybe uh, Roach and RJ. But, you know, I, I, I think, you know, a Withers play here, a Seth Trimble play there. I think you're going to be talking about, Tommy, I think when Joey and Dewey get together, I think you'll be talking about some sort of, you know, maybe an unlikely hero or something. I think UNC wins the game. I hope I'm not the kiss of death here, but I think UNC is going to win the game. I, I got it. I'll say 81-75, and obviously I'm terrible at those predictions, as we know from football season, but um, I think UNC wins the game. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I think the crowds have been good this year. I think it's going to be a great crowd. I think the Harrison Ingrams and Cormac Ryans of the world are going to be jacked up, you know, experiencing this. It's going to be, what, Armando's 10th? Is it 10 or 11? It's 10, right? <laughs> Duke, Duke Carolina games for the elder statesmen. Um, I think it's going to be fantastic. You know, if our listeners are going, holler at us if you see us there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think you have some play. Maybe a Seth Trimble knockaway and Seth Trimble actually finishes one rather than somehow screws it up. Uh, but I think it's going to be something like that, uh, some sort of a, an unlikely hero. Um, that that turns in some sort of a difference maker type play. Indeed, Carolina and Duke, 6.30 in the Smith Center game day, 11 o'clock. I think I saw where the doors open at 8.30 for students and 8.45 for the general public. So if you're in Chapel Hill, check that out. Uh, check out Franklin Street. Do all that stuff. Check out Johnny T-shirt while you're on Franklin Street. Check out Congruity while you're online. That's Adam Smith. That's Evan Rogers. It's been Inside Carolina's On the Beat. The big one, volume one, Saturday at 6.30. Hope everybody has a good evening. Hope everybody's safe. Carolina women are about to lose. Glad you've taken care of us as we take care of you. Peace, boys.